The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net, and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Yes, it is episode 24 of the Talking Buds podcast. Ryan, I feel like we say this every week, but what a week it has been. Oh my god. The last time we talked, the Leafs just got fed their lunch by the Tampa Bay Lightning. But little did we know that we were just at the tip of the iceberg of what would be the most dark depressing, negative, dramatic, frustrating portion of the Shanna plan era ever. Yeah, I can't I cannot disagree with you there, my friend. Dude, that week was just man, like it was just all the issues we've brought up the past couple weeks about everything that's wrong with this hockey team seemed to just multiply and they were horrible man they're just terrible but they did it tonight they finally did it tonight would you say that tonight's 4-2 victory over the buffalo sabers was their most complete game of the season no not complete game of the season they played better games than that i thought they were pretty mediocre in the third period to be honest with you like they're, I think they just ran out of gas yeah they ran out of gas but those first two periods like especially the first period they they dominated the first period that was the dominant as a first period they've had um, maybe all year and it was nice to see because it was the big boys leading the way it was Austin Matthews having a hell of a period oh he, he was unbelievable tonight yeah he had like five unbelievable chances towards the net and so did Andreas Janssen and Mitch Marner's line was moving in the second period. They they weren't as dominant, but they still got tons of shots. Maybe honestly, they were probably just as dominant. You look at the amount of shots they got both periods. Like, dude, those are two damn good periods. All right. So before we uh, dive deeper and uh, break the Buffalo game down and go through all the goals and little nuances and such, let's just let's just brush over the week that was because it's it, it was a hell of a week. So like I said, we we last time we spoke, it was after the Tampa loss. They come back a week ago tonight against Chicago, fall behind five goals and come back, almost win that, almost tie that game up, excuse me, but take the L. Another disappointing effort. Last Friday, they fall behind again to Philadelphia and end up coming back to win that game. But I think a lot of us attributed that comeback to Brian Elliott being horrendous in the Flyers' net. And then Saturday night in Ottawa, Ryan, was the lowest point of the season. 
in my opinion. Yeah, and the worst part about this streak for me of the bad play is we've been coming on this podcast week after week just outlining all the things that are wrong with this hockey team. And during that stretch, even in the Philly game, like all those things were just right in your face, just not working hard enough, not physical. And other than the Tampa game, you added not putting the, well, I guess they scored against Chicago too. They, they got their fair share of goals, but like, it's just all those problems that we've been talking about for weeks and weeks that I'm frankly kind of getting sick of, sick of at this point. It, they were all just all the reason why they were so bad for those games, man. It was so frustrating to watch. And that brings us to tonight, or actually, excuse me, last night, they go into Nashville. And a better game overall. I thought they were asleep for the first period, but they really picked it up in the second and the third. Austin Matthews really, really got his legs going. Austin Matthews has been pretty good over the last little stretch. He's been one of the few or few bright spots, in my opinion. But I thought he, he really started moving and shaking last night and taking the game over. And if not for running into Pecorine, I think the Leafs would have fared better in that game. Which, so they lose, they fall six points behind the Bruins. So you're coming into Buffalo tonight, and it's it's pretty much a must win. Wait, wait, like, last I- night, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you with last night. I, I didn't think last night was that great of a hockey game. They got no chances towards the Nashville net. Like, okay, if you want to say they skated harder without the puck and maybe little victory harder ryan, ryan ryan after last week yeah but dude they, I, I could count on one hand how many good chances they had last night i didn't i didn't think last night was as much of a win as as other teams did the only difference was is they didn't give up a six spot to the worst team in the national hockey league but I, I i don't know i didn't think last night was that great i thought 34 was the only guy who showed up nevertheless they come into buffalo tonight and it's a must win and right from the opening face-off, the Leafs are flying. Absolutely flying. Taking the game over, hemming the Sabres into their own zone, winning every battle, outskating everyone in a Buffalo Sabre jersey, jump out to a massive lead in shots. Shots were like 14-2 to two at one point. And then, tough break, they get tired and running around on a PK. Garrett Sparks makes a bad read, and the Sabres go up one nothing. On a goal from Middlestat. Yeah. Yeah. Just a tough one. I thought Sparks, like, that was just a bounce off the boards and he was already down and there's really nothing much he could do at that point. First period ends and the Leafs are leading 18 to 7 in shots. So I think we all at the end of that period were like, all right, so they're down a goal. Let's not let the bad momentum carry over. Everybody take a breath. That was a really good period. We, just let's just keep going keep going keep pressing yeah I thought that Matthews line was just so good in that first period like I had I had Andreas Janssen pegged as my bum of the week until tonight he changed my mind I thought he had that good of a period and game what did you think after the first period of Austin Matthews having four minutes and 37 seconds and Nick Patan having four minutes and eight seconds it's so oh my you just don't understand it like what is this guy what is Babcock thinking man like it's just like it's like the the house league rotation like everyone's got to get a shift like this this guy's been skating been your best skater your best player for two straight nights he clearly was in nashville and then he starts tonight red hot and you look at that and you're like uh 
But luckily, he's smartened up, though. As always, I'm sure Mr. Babcock will become a topic of discussion at some point during this episode. But nevertheless, they come out for the second period. And Matthews pretty much instantly scores off a no-look pass from Andreas Janssen, who worked his way out of your doghouse, as you stated. Yeah, and oh it's yeah. 1-1. So again in the second, they're dominating. They're absolutely dominating. Something happens. Babcock has an out-of-body experience. Some Someone take possesses him and takes over his brain, and he starts double-shifting Matthews, I noticed, towards the end of the second. Matthews had twice as much ice time, so he played four minutes in the first period, and he played eight in the second. So his they someone got in Babcock's ear, or maybe Babcock, just like I said, had an out-of-body experience and realized that he should probably play his best player more. Yeah, you're a complete idiot if you don't realize that he's your best player. Like, the guy was flying, just taking away pucks from everyone and creating chances everywhere. So it's there's no reason for Mike Babcock to sit this guy for his regular shifts. So towards the end of the second, Johnny T taps in uh, William Nylander, takes the puck over in the Sabre zone, flies in. Yeah, finally found some space for once. Yeah, yeah, flies in, rifles one. Off the crossbar, Johnny T's there to bang in the rebound. Matthews gets an assist on the play, and Austin Matthews has 200 career points, Ryan. Yeah, well, you know what, man? He deserved all his points tonight because he was working his ass off. Shots after the second period are 37-15 Leafs. Well, that's what you like to see because usually it's the other way around in terms of shots against. 22 seconds into the third period, Zach Hyman deflects a Mitch Marner shot. Leafs go up 3-1, and you're thinking, all right, perfect. And then I heard them say on the broadcast that at the 18.05 mark left in the third, every Leaf had taken a shot on net. Oh, that's that's a that's a stat. Even Nikita Zaitsev. Even Igor Oshaganov. At 14.25, Nylander... Alexander Nylander absolutely wires one past Garrett Sparks and makes the game 3-2. Yeah, hell of a shot, dude. That was just an absolute cannon. As we talked, as we uh, mentioned earlier, we noticed that they started to run out of gas. And uh, Garrett Sparks, listen, Sparks had some egg on his face after the comments he made after the game on... Saturday against the Senators, and I thought he played a pretty good game tonight. His best game of the season, in my opinion. Made a bunch of great saves to keep the game at 3-2, and then with a minute or so to go, Zach Hyman scores. Empty net, 4-2. Leafs win. Final shots on net, 46-24 Toronto. So, listen, we've talked... A lot. Everybody's talked a lot in the last week, and the conversation has largely been negative. Okay, so let's shift the conversation a bit and say and talk about all the good that we saw tonight and what they need to carry on from this performance or carry with them from this performance, rather through the rest of the season and into the playoffs. Cause the way they played tonight is the way they're going to have success moving forward. 
Yeah, and I think I think their opposition kind of dictated that too. Like the the Buffalo Sabers aren't exactly a a hockey team that's going to stop the Leafs like some other teams have figured out how to do. But I thought tonight was just a perfect example of how they need to play in front of Garrett Sparks in order for Garrett Sparks to gain a little confidence and look a little better. Because when he's getting peppered with grade A shots, we know that this guy cannot make the big save. He's usually flopping around somewhere. So I thought tonight was like, he only really got tested in the third period. Like the first two periods, he he, he did nothing. He was just sitting well, down there in his net doing nothing, which is perfect he, for him because he needs to build some confidence right now. He made a few big saves in the third, like you said. And he he needed this W tonight, Ryan. Yeah. Like he made a big he, breakaway save in the first period too. Yeah, they gave up that breakaway, and that was a huge save for him because that was one of those just it's all me. There's no one else to help. If this guy scores, it's on me. And he made that big save. I thought that was huge early in the game. Yeah, he he um Greg Millen talked about it a few times in the broadcast tonight about how he kind of put pressure on himself with his uh, comments that he made after the game on Saturday. And w- w- let's get into that for a bit. Like what, what did you think about that? Um, I-, I listened to a lot of ex players on the two main radio sports talk radio stations in the uh, city this week after that happened. And, and a- the sentiment was pretty unanimous from anyone who's played in the league before that while the message he was trying to convey and the thought and sentiment behind it was in the right place. You don't really want it coming from the backup goalie after he just got shelled for six goals. Well, you know what? These hockey players need to realize that nothing's perfect. Like think, think about it. It's like, okay, this guy's not allowed to say what everyone knows and everyone knows is the truth. Like what he said, regardless of who it was from or what game or how many goals he just let in, we all know what he said is the truth. So I respect that part of it because it, it takes, dude, it takes balls to come out as a backup goalie after giving up a a ton of goals and have have the balls to say something like that. And I, I kind of respect him for that. I get why people are kind of like, ah, it shouldn't come from the backup goalie. Because if, if you were a player in that locker room, you'd probably be like, ah, oh, that's kind of a dick thing to say. Like, maybe stop a puck, bud. But you cannot deny that every word he spoke was the truth. Oh, and no, maybe, I agree. Maybe they just needed to hear it, regardless of who was coming from. Because if this, if this group has such amazing leadership and all these hockey guys want this message to come from the Mark Messier archetype, type players, the leaders, the guys who lead in the locker room, then why hasn't it been said already? Because anyone on that team should know that that's exactly what they need to do to win later in the season and into the playoffs. So in a way, I was kind of glad, regardless of who it was, that at least someone spoke up and actually said it. Regardless if you think it's a dick move or not, at least the guy came out and said it. Because I think it's the truth. Yeah, I agree. I, I I agreed with the message. I definitely agreed with the message, and it is something like this team's um, um, ability and desire to like get mad at their opponent and like want to win battles and all that stuff does need uh, you need to pour a little gas on that flame every now and then, and maybe getting a little miffed at Sparks' comments did that because they have played better in both games since he did. 
say those things. So yeah, like the, it may not be. I, I get it. It's just it doesn't look great when a guy who doesn't contribute a lot to a winning hockey team comes out and says something, and you're kind of like, eh, you're not the guy out here busting their ass every game. You're usually on the bench as a backup goalie. But it's like maybe these guys just needed to hear it somewhere and and not from the media, from a guy in their own locker room or a guy in the in the same organization. Like it's just that was just the truth. So I I'm I I was not angry at Garrett Sparks in the least for saying that. It's like, you know well, what? It's the truth. Yeah. Yeah, I whatever. Like get yeah, over it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so our backup goalie, he's a dude six. Who cares? It's the truth. You guys stink. Play with more emotion. All right, I want to get back into Austin Matthews here for a second because last night and then again tonight, he was a dominant force. And we've talked about how he's had, in terms of, like, he's got his goals and his his production is right there. And if you looked at his season on paper, you would say he's had another amazing season. But there have been moments this season where I feel he's looked a little, like disinterested or a little less engaged at times and he's tonight especially he looked like the Austin Matthews that we all know and love where when he wants to he can be an absolute dominant force elite top five player in the National Hockey League and they're gonna need him to play that way if they have any shot of coming out of Boston in the first round. Well, would you categorize his game tonight as like his version of a heavy game? Yes. Yes, because he he's not going to be a physical guy, right? Like he's never going to be a physical guy. There's a segment of the population who really thinks because he's a big body, he should be like an Eric Lindros type player. Listen, you're going to be waiting a really, really, really long time for Matthews to play like Eric Lindros played, okay? Sure, maybe as he gets older, he might add more of a physical element to his game, but Austin Matthews playing heavy is what he does tonight. Stripping guys of the puck, being first on the puck, stripping other players of the puck, first on the net, shooting from absolutely everywhere, setting up his wingers, like being effective in the defensive zone, picking up his guy in the defensive zone, skating with speed through the neutral zone. Like that is what makes Austin Matthews the dominant force that he is. And Ryan as a Leaf fan, and I know there's been times this season where I've been like, Austin, what's going on with you? But I've never strayed away from the fact that there is nothing that I enjoy watching more than Austin Matthews playing at his absolute best yeah and it, this is glimpses of it the last two nights it's just a guy who can constantly be on the puck and always have the puck because when he's invisible and he's playing that soft game that all of us just can't stand and loathe he's he's usually away from the puck and when he does have it it's usually around the perimeter tonight it's in front of the net he's he's skating with speed during through the neutral zone he's getting shots and I think it's important that we point out that when we're talking about heavy hockey, that tonight was really the version of heavy hockey that Austin Matthews can play. It's not going to be hits, finishing checks, but it's it going to be Ryan, hard okay. on your stick in winning battles and taking away the puck from the opposition. And he did that tonight. 
And that was this, like, that goes for pretty much the whole team. And that's what I was trying to get at earlier when I was saying, like, if they're going to beat anybody in the postseason, Boston, Tampa, whoever, like, that's how they're going to have to play. That, like, they need to find a mix. And we've been yeah. saying it all literally, year. We, we, this is, like, we've been, this is literally the last five episodes. It's just yep. constant. It's just, this is how these guys have to play. At least tonight, it, there was a glimpse of it. Like, at least tonight, regardless of the opposition, if they're a playoff team, like, it, it just, especially after the last couple games, it, it was nice to see just a glimpse of the somewhat heavy Leafs version hockey that they could play, where they're actually forechecking and being first to pucks. And we know that they're going to have to bring some semblance of that to win. And that's, that, that's it. Like, it, it like it's, it's. It, it's getting to a point where we're saying it over and over again. It's just, I just want to see at this point. Like, I'm sick. I'm sick of just talking about it. I'm just waiting for that first round. Like, let's go. When they skate like that and when they move the puck effectively like that, they don't necessarily need, like, they're, they're not a great defensive team. They've never been a great defensive team. They're not, their current personnel, like, is not, the best defensive personnel. No, it's soft and it's slow and it's not super skilled either. Yeah, exactly. So, but when they skate like that tonight, it kind of like, you're not worried about that as much because they're able to get the puck out of their zone with speed and spend more time in the offensive zone, creating offensive chances so they can score goals. And this team is the most dangerous when they're scoring their goals. Like a huge reason why last week, like last week, everyone was so upset about the defense. Oh, they're so awful in their own zone. They, the, they're and like you hear guys on the radio going on about like their defensive system and like why are they playing this pressure man defensive system? It's like guys, they've been a pretty brutal defensive team all year. The main reason why last week was like extra awful was because. Anderson wasn't standing on his head and they weren't scoring their way out of trouble. That's literally the only difference last that happened last week compared to the rest of the season. Especially so, Freddie Anderson. Like that that's a that's a point we haven't brought up either. Like he he wasn't coming up with that big save that we've seen all year from the guy. Well, if there's anyone who deserves him. Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm him. not cutting the guy down, but the, you're right though. Like it's it's it that was probably the biggest difference that I saw. Oh, for sure. But again, back to, back to my original point that I was going to make. It's when they get moving their feet like that, no, there are very few teams in the National Hockey League who can keep up with them and can contain them. And that tonight was their version of heavy hockey. So all the old school dad fans who are like, they're not tough enough, like, that's their way of being tough tonight. And that works in today's NHL. And I hope that like tonight was like last week was like a bit of a lesson for them. And like, hopefully they learn from going through that last week. Cause that sucked. And tonight they can walk away from, um, the, whatever the arena in Buffalo is called. What's it called? Dude, used I, to be I have HS- no idea. Used to be HSBC. Arena. I can't keep up with some of these arena changes, man. I know they changed. They just, they these change. sponsors are just Key Bank Center. The Key Bank ah, Center. The key thank God Bank for... Center. I'm gonna thank store God. that one away and remember that. Yeah, thank God for the uh, the mm. internet. The one Buffalo, that I can that beautiful. I the one that the one that I'll never forget is is the the best arena name 
in the league in Pittsburgh, the PPG Paints Arena. Yeah, that's that that's an epic one. I I just I'm just I'm just sad that me and you aren't in downtown Buffalo enjoying the absolute paradise that the city is. Oh, you're just taking a shot at Buffalo. Yeah, I did. I apologize. It's it's an easy one. So, anyways, point being, they can walk away from the Key Bank Center tonight feeling good about themselves and can hopefully carry this momentum into Saturday against the New York Rangers. Before we move into our next topic, I want to talk a little bit about Freddie Anderson. He did struggle last week. So where are you at on the Freddie needs rest? I'm on, I'm on, I'm like I said before last episode that it didn't matter how much rest he got. Like he's a big boy. He should be able to play, but I don't know. I think I might have changed. I think I might change my tune a little bit because now that they're they're not catching the Bruins, so it's like, what do you, what do you have to lose, really? Like, sit the guy for a couple of games. Who cares? Like, you want the momentum going into the playoffs. You want to be playing well. I get all these hockey cliches. You want you need to be playing your best going into the playoffs. But you know what? If you if you if rest is so important to this hockey team and giving this goalie his his rest then just do it because now you're just solidified in the third spot. No one's catching you. You're not catching the Bruins. If you're going to sit them, now's the perfect time because all the games really mean nothing. Well, we don't, we, um, we'll go through them all later in our look ahead, but the Leafs have eight games left. And, and aside from two of them, they're not exactly playing the uh, creme de la creme of the national hockey league. Yeah. And it's like, if, if you if you're gonna rest him, then just do it. Stop talking about it. Do it. And if you really think that's what's best for him, then do it. Like yeah. these games mean nothing. Yeah. I would uh, I would tend to agree with you on that. I think uh, last year against Boston, he ran out of gas and he wasn't uh, playing his absolute best and being that lights out Freddie. Yeah, listen that we all know and love Freddie. I like in terms of his performance last week. This guy has always had a bad month throughout his NHL career. Like every every season of his career, there's always that one month through like, Ugh. and his numbers this month are eh. So you know what? I'll cut the guy a break because he's been a legend all year, and those couple games were tough for him. But if you want to give him rest, rest him because we're gonna need him badly in that first round. How's it going, everybody? Thank you very much for downloading the show. If you want to interact with us further, you can follow us on Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talking Buds Pod. You can download the show on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and YouTube. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Join the Talking Buds fan club. We really appreciate it. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Ryan, this next topic of discussion is something that I cannot wait to get into with you. I've been just like foaming at the mouth to get on here and talk about this. The biggest, one of the biggest topics of conversation since about, since the Ottawa loss and then since Babs opened his mouth on Monday morning 
is the relationship between Mike Babcock and Kyle Dubas. This all started with Babcock being asked about the team's recent struggles and replying, going on a rant about the team's overall depth and saying that you just need to keep acquiring better players, which I don't know about you. I took as a direct shot at his general general manager, AKA boss, a direct punch in the mouth. That's what I took. That's exactly what I took. Stone cold stunner to Kyle Dubas through the media. Oh yeah, this isn't the first time that Mike Babcock has taken shots at Kyle Dubas before. Let me read the actual quote here, just so just so we're accurate and keeping up with like a hundred percent bang on here. Babcock says, quote, You're supposed to build the best program you can so you have as much depth so you don't miss people. If you have enough, you don't miss a beat and you just keep going. There's other teams that have done a better job when different players are out than we have in keeping on going. That just tells you what state we're at. You just got to keep adding better players. Well, the trade that, deadline's that the, over, First of all, Mike. that English, that English is the most Mike Babcock English I've ever that's that like that's like two sentences and it's impossible to read because it's being said like this. Yeah, that the trade deadline's over, Mike. Stop crying. This is the team you have. Coach it. Put the best lines out there. Just shut up. And like it's not, just it's just a he's just a pot stirrer. Like, dude. Not not the first time he's taken a shot no, at Dubas. Like, no, like, like it, when Dubas made the Muzzin trade. Babcock, in, in what I think is his most like jaw-dropping quote of the year, as Elliot Friedman said as much. By the way, everyone, I I, I have to give a shout-out to Elliot Friedman. His 31 thoughts today goes into this topic in detail, and it's an absolute, like, it's an amazing read. I just couldn't get enough of it today. But he said when they traded for Muzzin, everyone's like, oh, my God, they got a top-four defenseman Stanley Cup winner. Like, this is amazing. And the head coach goes... Quote, it's not perfect. It's what we got. It's what was available, and we're going to make it work. And it's just like, wow. I wonder if he has, like, yeah, I wonder if he has, like, goes up to Dubas' office and just can actually say it to his face. Or if he's just hiding behind the media and just taking little shots. Because you think these two guys who are the coach and general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs would have a relationship that they could both look at each other and be like, dude, like, this is... This is the best you got for me. And Dubas look at him and go, yeah, dude, coach the team. Like, I'm just wondering if those conversations are going on behind closed doors. Because these little well, media jabs are a little immature and a little stupid, if you ask me. Dubas has, Dubas, like, he didn't, like, directly respond via Twitter. But he's responded via Twitter because he's been, like, retweeting things. Like, he tweeted... um retweeted this picture by from somebody named Daryl Morey. Sorry, Daryl Morey. I don't know who you are. And um, it, it's like a, a bunch of these people and they're all in a line and they're at like sort of a fork in the road. And if they turn left, it says simple but wrong. And if they turn right, it says right but complex. And there's like two or three people who are going down the right but complex and a whole slew of people who are going down the simple but wrong. So that's him responding. Oh, Daryl Moore is the Houston Rockets general manager. Oh my God. Don't I feel like an idiot? Um, sorry, Daryl Morey, Houston Rockets general manager. 
shows you that I'm not necessarily up on my uh, on your basketball on, front yeah, office. Uh, Honestly, dude, up, I'm, I, I'm I would not even know that. I'm gonna be shoot me. Like trust, I I nope, no idea. I am not up on my NBA GMs as much as I should be. Anyways. So that's him responding to Babcock, right? So the what I think you're seeing here is you got two guys who who like were both hired by Brendan Shanahan, weren't hired together, like they're not a team. Like Dubis didn't hire Babcock, like and and they have they have different. You can just tell. The roster that Kyle Dubas has supplied Mike Babcock with and the may, the way Mike Babcock deploys said roster, you can just tell that they have totally different philosophies on players and the way they should be deployed and ice time and who should be put out there in what situations and who should be in the top four and who should be in the top six and who should be the backup goalie and right or wrong. They don't necessarily agree. And I think these types of situations where Babcock is taking shots in the media and then Dubas is responding with inspirational pictures and quotes on Twitter. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. It reeks of a coach that's not going to be around in two years if this team's not successful to me. Because that's this is just, isn't this just the warning signs, the early signs of just the beginning of the end of a relationship between a general manager and coach? If your general manager's retweeting inspirational quotes to indirectly take a shot at Mike Babcock and... Mike Babcock's going in the media and saying quotes that are specifically taking a shot at Kyle Dubas. Like, to me, this is just reeks of front office coach drama. And if this team's not successful in two years, regardless if you think it's based on performance, it's just a relationship that just is not going to last. Well, another another thing to take note of this week, Ryan, is... The Maple Leafs are about to hand Sheldon Keefe a boatload of cash to remain the head coach of the Marlies. So if that's that's the consensus takeover, because Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas are tight as can be going back to OHL days, my dude. I would say like you look at the ice time and like we were making fun earlier of Austin Matthews having like basically the same amount of ice time in the first period tonight as frickin' Nick Patan. And I would say a lot of people, myself included, and I'm pretty sure you as well, are on Team Dubas in this debate. I was talking to someone today, and we were talking about Mike Babcock, and he was saying, you know, if you're going to fire Mike Babcock, like, how do you explain to the, the MLSE board that we brought this guy in, we made him the highest paid coach in NHL history, and now we're going to fire him. And first of all... Because you want to ML- win. And, and Mike Babcock has nobody to blame but himself. Like, I'm sorry. Like, the guy's been given... The guy's got the best center depth in the league. And his... You've talked about it. Like, the, the Babcock's book of rules that he just 
so stubbornly abides by is why he's in this situation and is why the fan base has completely turned on him. Like, go go on Leaf Twitter, okay? Everyone is questioning Mike Babcock. Everyone. Because he looks like an idiot. Like, the decisions he makes... Like, tonight, like, he, he finally starts giving Austin Matthews more ice time, and look what happens. They pick up a W. It's pure it's stubbornness like, out of the guy. Yeah. It's like and you it's talk just, about... I, I, I don't... I don't totally disagree with what the message he's sending Kyle Dubas because I, I think that this team could use a little more like a different style of player than all just being kind of the same players. But it's up to the coach to just suck it up and try to deploy the best lineup he can with the guys he has. And it feels like he's just kind of wah-wah about it and kind of quitting and being like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to throw out the, what I like. And this is the type of lineup that I like to deploy, regardless if these guys are the right type of players or not. But this is the way I like to do it. So I'm going to do it. Instead of sitting down and thinking of the most best lineup he could possibly put out there. And just it just feels like he doesn't think like that. And I think that's why people start to get pissed off because you start to see the repetitive nature of his coaching and the definition of insanity doing the same thing and and not seeing results but just keep doing it anyways like it's just I think you're not overreacting at this point if you are bringing up this guy maybe not being the right guy for the job for this hockey team to get them to the promised land I don't think you're overreacting if you're saying that at this point him making that comment about the depth to me reeked of someone who knows that his team doesn't have a very good shot of getting out of the first round again and who knows that if and when they don't get out of the first round again, the entire summer is going to be nothing but Babcock didn't deploy the roster correctly, Babcock is so stubborn, Babcock can't relate to millennials yada 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 and so that felt like an attempt to deflect blame off of himself and put it on the fact that you know I just don't have the horses type thing and and I think I would say well what's the point in going and getting you more depth and more horses if you can't properly use the ones you already have yeah exactly it's like dude you already have a top center in the league and you're playing them like nothing like you're paying you're, you're playing his ice time is just way too low man like you have the horse you just don't play him enough because you have some stupid stubborn rule that you have to follow i love i can't remember if it was last week's episode or the week before i loved what you said when you said that he coaches with no emotion i loved it yeah, it's like he, he doesn't react to what's going on on the ice. It's just in his head. He's like, I don't care what's going on right now. We could be getting absolutely shelled. If we do it the right way, which is Babcock's way, there is his right way is Babcock's way. So if you're not doing it Babcock's way, then it's not the right way to do things, regardless of you're getting dominated or not. And that's just pissing people off, pissing me off pissing you off which is why we're coming on this podcast week after week and his name is always the topic of discussion now because everyone agrees everyone agrees at this point usually i think leaf nation is is picking on someone just to 
lay the blame on someone, but everyone can see, everyone who's a rational fan can see that the way he does things is just not the right way. But in his mind, it's the perfect way. Well, that's what I mean when I say, like, it's it's kind of his fault that he's in this position. Like, listen, I like Mike Babcock as a person. Like, he he seems like a really nice guy, cares about people, like, give you the shirt off his back type of guy. Like, like he's coached Team Canada to two gold medals and World Cup and... Like, he's just, like, I have the utmost respect for him and what he's achieved and all that sort of thing. But, like, this situation as the head coach of this team, if he loses his job, it's going to be on him and his complete and utter unwillingness to make adjustments. And he only makes adjustments when he absolutely has to. Like tonight, he starts double shifting Matthews and giving Matthews more ice time because he's like, he just finally is like, well, I guess I, I guess I have to do this because I have to stray away from my Babcock rule book. And then you talked uh, a couple weeks ago about potentially putting Matthews with Marner, although maybe we don't need that right now. But th- when he did do that earlier in this year, you can just tell right off the bat he hates doing it. And it's like there's there's a part of him where it looks like he's on the bench waiting for them to screw up so he can just separate them because in his mind, he is the roster laid out this way. And if anything disrupts that, he gets all messed up about it. So it's like I'm totally like winning – a Stanley Cup as the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs is right in front of him if he just gets over himself and recognizes the team he has in front of him and the best way to optimize this roster instead of his way. And if he's just... you, I'm here to tell you, Ryan, and you Talking Buds listeners, Leafs Nation, something some of you probably already know, but I'm going to say it out loud anyway. If Mike Babcock is going to be so insistent on following his Mike Babcock rulebook, he will not get a sniff of a Stanley Cup as the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he will be out of here, and Sheldon Keefe will be behind the bench deploying the new school team with the new school general manager in a new school mentality. New school for life. NWO for life. NWO for life. Amen, brother. All everything we've said, it, it's just it's just the truth at this point. It, it's not even an opinion. It's just almost become fact in Leafland. All these opinions on Babcock, they become facts because we watch it game after game. And with that, it's time to move in to the bums and the beauties, baby. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. That's right. You know what? Before tonight's game, I would have said this is going to be like the the list of potential bums is through the roof. But it kind of it kind of got narrowed down tonight. So I gave it some thought before we came on as to who I was going to pick. 
And I'm going to go with Nazem Kadri. Oh, man. He was on my short list too, man. He was on my short list. Listen, I get it. He's been out with a concussion, and it's, it takes you a while to get back and get your legs. But, like, he – listen, I thought just about every leaf forward tonight was effective except Nazem Kadri. He he did a whole lot of nothing tonight and has done a whole lot of nothing since he's been back. All season. And yeah, Almost yeah. all season. This has been a very disappointing season overall for Nazem Kadri, I, I, in my opinion. After back-to-back 30-goal seasons. Yeah. And I know he got pushed down the lineup, but still. Yeah, it's just, you look at, like, he's got 15 goals. Patrick Marlowe has 15 goals. We're on Patrick Marlowe twenty four seven. How he's a, how he's useless out there, and Nazem Kadri only has three more points and has the same amount of goals as Patty Marlowe. Like his offense is just dried up, and he can't create for himself this year for some reason. And now it's just kind of getting to the point where you're like, yeah, you have a concussion, but you still played sixty five ish games this year. And like, where, where's that, where's that unbelievable third line scoring that we were expecting at the beginning of the year? Cause it, it hasn't been there. And he's at his best when he's playing pissed off and pissing the other team off and like, just being like, kind of like a, an irritant out there and getting in guys faces and crashing the goalie and all that kind of stuff. And they're going to need him to be like that. If they're going to be Boston, they're going to need him to be like that. And he's got to get back into that headspace and back into that zone. Or it's just like, if they're going to beat the Bruins, we said this a hundred times, they need everyone firing on all cylinders. And Nazem Kadri is a huge part of that. He's a huge part of this team and he needs to pick it up. He's got eight games left to pick it up. And I hope that he does because they're going to need him. All right. Bum of the week. Who you got? All right. Bum of the week. I was going to pick, it's going to pick a specific person. But I've kind of, after watching the Leafs power play tonight, I, I gotta, I gotta nitpick something on the power play. So my bum of the week is whatever coach is the deciding factor on where Matthews and Marner stand on the power play. We all know that Mike Babcock loves guys who shoot left to be on the left side, and guys who shoot right should be on the right side. But on your power play. Why that is should not be the case. Seeing Austin Matthews take a cross ice pass in the ozone on a power play, have to turn around on his forehand and take a shot is just like two seconds of just wasted opportunity. If he was on his if a left-handed shot Matthews was on the right side of the ice, he could get that puck immediately and snap it immediately. No hesitation. I just don't get why they insist on having Marner be on his strong side and Matthews be on their strong side because Marner's got to curl around. He comes down the half wall. He's looking for a guy and everyone has time to set up, clog up the lanes. The goalie can get set up. If he fires it over to Matthews, Matthews has got to do the same thing. So everyone could shift, get in position. Let's here's another coaching thing that drives me crazy. Let's stop being stubborn and let's switch them around because it makes so much sense being on your forehand but coming Ryan, towards the middle of the ice. And it's just Ryan, like, ah, like it, any, it's, any, it's, every team in the league does that. Like every team in the league has their best shooters on their offsides waiting for a quick shot and accept us I, for some reason. But, 
Every team doesn't have Mike Babcock's unwritten rule book of doing it the right way every single day. It's that that is just stupid to me. Like it's just so dumb. Like it's so stupid. You look at Tampa. You got Kucherov on his offside. You got Stamkos on his offside, and you have Hedman feeding either of them for one timers and quick snapshots and quick wrist shots. And look at that power play. And you're telling me, like, Toronto, like, they have so much talent. You have Marner, yeah. you have Matthews, yeah. you have Riley. And it, you're not, you just ignore it. And it's, it keeps the same thing. And it's like, this is, this is not the best way to do this. There's no reason why their power play should be this bad. No, 100%. no. And it's just, or that, this, that, this ineffective. Yeah. That just that, that nitpick. And giving on up the power so play. many scoring chances. Like, oh my God, they give up so many scoring chances when they're on the power play. Yeah. They, they really do. Cause they don't, fight for the puck on the power play like they they're not the greatest zone entry team either like they struggle getting into the zone i know they still have a top 10 power play in the nhl it's not the worst power play in the league but that's because they have so much talent but if you just switched around the guys a little bit and got them in better shooting positions i feel like you would see more success out of this power play consistently so that's my bum of the week that was an epic rant that was an absolutely epic rant. Yeah, I will, t- watching it tonight, I've just had enough. It makes no sense to me. Anyone who's played hockey and is a goal scorer knows that coming off your wrong side, skating into your forehand in the middle of the ice is the greatest scoring opportunity you could have. So just it, it just doesn't make sense to me. All right, beauty of the week time. Which one of us is going to take Austin Matthews? Uh, you can You can take Austin Matthews. All right, I'll make it short and sweet because we gloat about him in the first block of the show. Austin Matthews, he's the franchise. He's the best player. He's the one who's going to take you to the promised land. He's the first overall pick. He needs more ice time. He's the chosen one. He's has the potential to go down as the greatest Maple Leaf to ever put the sweater on. Austin Matthews beauty of the week yeah he deserves it man and if you think about it we haven't had too many beauty of the week austin matthews picks this year no we haven't we thought i thought we'd have way more we've had a bunch of freddies we've had a bunch of marners yeah a couple to a bunch of johnny t's yeah Yeah. oh yeah so my beauty of the week this week is going to be zachary hyman and it's just We've been on, we were on this guy when he was with Matthews, like just on him all the time, how he was an offensive anchor, but him and Mitch Marner on the same line, like I know Johnny T's got all the goals, but if you just look at what they bring shift to shift, Marner's speed combined with Hyman's speed and and work ethic is just a great duo. They're always wreaking havoc on the ice. They're always the two that have the best time in the offensive zone and have always create chances so I think Zach Hyman is just one of those guys on your hockey team. Like he's the only guy I understand that Babcock loves so much because you watch him and it's just hard not to love the guy. Like he just, he brings it. He's everything we talk about that this hockey team doesn't do. He's the one guy who does it every night. And now I'm seeing him with Marner and I'm seeing a big difference in his game offensively as yeah. well. You just took the words out of my mouth. Like we, we he, he got dogged for two years, but that's because they had him with Matthews. And since they've put him with Marner, because Matthews is the type of player, someone needs to get Matthews the puck. Whereas Marner is a player who distributes the puck. Yeah, exactly. And so Hyman is is 
much more effective in that role for sure. Yeah. So that that's why I think you've seen him go like he's he's a legit top six guy for them, hundred percent. And if anybody is going to disagree with me at this point, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I, I think Zach Hyman, like, he's not going to be a guy who gets a lot of assists in this league. But if he could continue to, like, get to the net, I feel like he could he could pot 25 a year playing with he's Mitch vital, Marner. He's a vital piece for them because he brings that edge and physicality that pretty much no other forward brings and usually when he's on the ice something something decent's happening something good is is something positive is occurring so zach hyman you are my beauty of the week all right let's do the week look ahead before we wrap this up as we always do saturday night eight games left first of all eight games left yeah oh dude i'm thank you yeah, thank yeah, you. Ready. This season is too long, man. It is too long. It is too like, long. Like what? Oh. Like, like if you if you're gonna trim it down and like don't be don't be like ridiculous. Like be realistic. I'd say put it at so it's 82 game season. I'd put, like it to be at like 65. Yeah, six, 70, y- 70 games. I think 65 is a good number. I, I know some people would say 60, but I, I think 65 is a solid number because these last stretch of games here, like, it's just, it's it's painful, man. And we, we know what's happening. Like, we know the series. So, I, me personally watching the games, like, you, you get invested into it, but I'm just so ready for that game one because it's that whole, it's a, it's a brand new season and you could finally kind of let go and just be an absolute super fan and just hang on every moment. And I'm just dying for that feeling right now. So Saturday night, the New York Rangers come to Scotiabank Arena. That's uh, a winnable game for the Maple Leafs. Yes, very um, winnable hockey game. Yeah, bar like depending on which Maple Leafs team shows up. But <laughs> hopefully, like I said, they can carry some momentum. Yeah. But this team's been inconsistent all year. So you got to hope that you just hope and pray that last week was like so tumultuous that they kind of get it now that like we can't just phone it in. Well, this is, yeah, like, hopefully this is the stretch of the season. It might be late, but now they're just like, hey, boys, like, if you want to have the effort that we put out in Ottawa, like, we don't want to get embarrassed like that again. Monday night, Florida Panthers come to Scotiabank Arena. (laughs) Oh, yeah, just the old FLA Panthies. Like, that's a game where I'm just like, the Florida Panthers. Panthers. Yeah. What a franchise. Oh, what a money God. drawing machine that hockey team is. Oh. Yeah. And then one week tonight, the Leafs are in Philly. And that's probably after next Wednesday's game against Philly is when we'll record episode 25 of Talking Buds. Yes. So maybe Brian Elliott can bring his best performance. Yes. Again. Let's hope Brian Elliott plays exactly the way he did last Friday, where Jake Muzzin is. Bobby Orr. Yes, exactly. Jake Muzzin is just a modern day Fulton Reed. Just dummy. Before we before pucks. we before we sign off here, Jake Muzzin tonight I thought was excellent because he soon as the puck was on his stick, it was off it to a leaf forward, and he laid like one or two or three nice hits tonight. And I I that's he's 
he's most effective when he's doing that. Muzzin's had kind of an up and down like tenure with the Leafs since they brought him in. And I thought tonight is exactly like he should watch the tape of tonight. And that's exactly how he should play going forward. Yep. Just simple hockey, be physical. He gets exposed when the game starts getting a little quicker. Cause he's not, he's not the greatest skater on planet earth. Well, they made somebody stood up for him today. I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about, uh, him and it's like the guy spent years playing with Drew Doughty. Now he's playing with Nikita Zaitsev. Yeah, he seems he seems a little overwhelmed sometimes. Like things are happening too quickly for him. I guess it was a little easier when he could just saucy it over to number eight and let him do all the work. Like if Ryan, if that's not a downgrade, I don't know what is. <laughs> Nikita Zaitsev. What a legend. Leaf legend. Going down as one of the greatest Leaf defensemen of all time. Nikita Zaitsev. Bum. <laughs> he's such a bum. Oh, like, he he's sucks, a guy, like, man. Like, so like, you bad. Look at, we've said this before, but like you look at Lou's tenure as uh, Leaf's GM, and it's like... What were you doing, Lou? Yeah, it's like, it's like Lou's, Lou's best moves... Signing Freddie Anderson, getting rid of Dion Phaneuf, signing Morgan Riley, and Nazem creating Robot really Island. Good, yeah, really good team friendly contracts, creating Robot Island. So it's like lose positives far outweigh his negatives, but his one main negative is it's it signing Nikita Zaitsev to that deal. Just oh. dropped an absolute deuce on the Toronto Maple Leaf salary cap. Sure did. Yeah, just a brutal call. All right, what a way to end episode 24, Rye. Everybody, as always, thank you very much for downloading, and we will catch you guys next week. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. I want to live at the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.